right, welcome back to Insights, episode 37, part whatever, I want to say four-ish. But uh, yeah, so I'm back with Fernando Martinez, our senior uh, partner, and uh, I'm Dane Phillips, and we are going to be talking about how to get into undergrad for Americans. Again, this is specifically for Americans and specifically for undergraduates, so how to get accepted. so first thing uh, that a lot of people are asking about, in fact, they asked about it in Thailand because they want to know how it would affect them, but uh, the Supreme Court striking down affirmative action. Um, just to kind of explain what that means in function, right? So not to get into the politics of it or anything like that, but literally, what does it mean? Does it mean that Hispanics can't get into school anymore? No, it doesn't. Does it mean that, did it mean that before that white people couldn't get into school? No, it didn't mean that. So um, all it means is that Schools cannot use uh, race, uh, more realistically, ethnicity is a better term, but cannot use ethnicity as a shorthand uh, for considering applications. That's all it means. It doesn't mean that the components of those realities don't still matter, right? So uh, how many languages you speak, that still matters. Uh, Did you grow up in a a low-income household? That still matters. Did you grow up with only one working parent? That matters. Did you? Did your parents go to college? Right? Are you the? Are you first generation? That that would matter. All of that matters. Um, it's just that it's not a checked box, but uh, it still totally matters, and you would need to convey those things, um, and you would need to do it in your personal statement or your your essay. But your activity list and things like that could show that as well. So, um, actually, we have a lot of listeners from El Paso. So, Fernie, talk a little bit about how your family dynamic, your upbringing, um, your languages spoken, things like that, culture, heritage, how that would impact an application, and then how that would matter to a university. Sure. Um, so my, my circumstance was a little unique as well. So um, we're, me and my brother and sister were first generation Americans. So uh, my parents were born in Mexico. Uh, But the big distinction was that education always played a crucial role uh, growing up. So uh, both my parents are uh, college educated, which uh, is sometimes not the norm for for uh, first-time immigrants. But um, with us, it was always just a a very important element of, uh, of growing up. So It was always instilled in us to do well in school. We were incentivized to do so. Um, And it kind of just helped that school came uh, sort of natural to me, um, especially in the mathematical arena. So uh, I was able to place out of all math for university, which also helps if it's something you guys can look into. Uh, If there's any subject matters that you guys excel at and you're able to to test out of those for university, it's definitely going to save you uh, both time and money. I was able to place out of all my mathematics and all of my foreign language uh, because of just how I grew up. So going into school, I had what, 16 hours of credits already, which is nice to have. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, so all these things would have been things that I could have talked about in the application, right? Uh, being first generation in America is always something that's uh, engaging and interesting. Um, the two, the dual language uh, spoken at the home, is also something that uh, colleges would be interested to hear about. Um, 
I mean, it was to the point where I still spoke exclusively in Spanish to my parents, but also exclusively in English uh, with my brother and sister. So it was a completely split household where we would be speaking both languages uh, simultaneously. But yeah, all of these things are things that you can, that are definitely um, worth mentioning in the applications. And uh, we were in there before the the 10% rule. Um, I think that started maybe two years after um, after you and I got accepted to, to UT, but uh, it became a thing where to try to level the playing field um, because we grew up in an area where there was, uh, it was primarily Hispanic. So our high schools were, I don't know what the number is, but I would guess maybe 70% Hispanic right. in high school. Um, so a lot of the state universities started doing uh, the 10% rule where uh, they would have to accept 10% of the highest scoring students in each high school, right? So that's going to level the playing field. Now you're going to get more Hispanic students because uh, now those Hispanic heavy high schools uh, will have those same number of seats as you know, some of the other schools and maybe you know, suburban Dallas, for example. Um, but um, yeah, all these things help. Um, I do know a lot of people that had to rely on affirmative action to get in and that's fantastic. I, I thought that it's a great, there was a lot of, uh, I know you didn't want to get political, but there's a lot of uh, <laughs> benefits to, to having a diverse uh, student body. Uh, way well, more and that hasn't changed. There's still a benefit. I mean, that's yeah. what I wanted to get into. That's why you should have diversity, equity, and inclusion didn't go away. Like right. diversity is still ultra important from an academic institution standpoint and from a professional standpoint. I would not own a, operate a company without diversity in it. <laughs> that would be insane. Yeah, yeah that would be crazy. So those things didn't stop mattering. The way you tell schools about it changed. Changed so, exactly. Yeah, but it's still, it's still uncertain how it's going to play out. Uh, right. Well, it'll be the first year saying they don't that it's not going to matter to them, um, right. which is how it should be. Um, so yeah, we're just see how it's going to play out. Uh, I do think that ten percent rule is going away if it hasn't already. Um, but the schools still care about this. It's very important. Um, in fact, even before this decision came about, the whole DEI um, just became more and more important in the last maybe two or three years. So uh, there used to at be the graduate level. couples at the graduate level, uh, yeah. maybe one or two schools that would include it. Now it seems like 90% of the schools have uh, some sort of DEI element involved now. So, um, yeah, we do put a lot of focus on it now. Um, so super important still on the graduate and on the undergraduate levels. So that's awesome. Thank you for that. So just as a foundation, I think a lot of people from El Paso especially will identify with that and that will sound very familiar, right? So, um, but then like Miguel, for example, Miguel wasn't an American citizen growing up. He didn't get his, remember we had the party for him at our at yeah, our apartment in Austin. During college, yeah. Yeah, 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 that he got his citizenship. So, but he would not speak English to his sister. I spent, he still, I, actually at his wedding, he finally did. But um, like I, we spent forever just tried to get him to say literally anything to her in English because, you know, that was just their, their heritage. Like he just yeah. felt like that was one of the things that kept him and his sister close. Um, but for example, I would say you spoke English to Eric. I definitely remember, but V would be less so. Um, yeah, so, V was probably a mix. Right. So I think yeah. it like 
you know, made it its way down. It's but right you definitely, you spoke Spanish a lot at home and then you go to school in English. That's something schools should know. That's right. just something you should tell them. Um, and obviously that's not the case for all Hispanic. You know, Johnny, for example, is going to be joining. Johnny grew up with his mom and I've never heard them speak Spanish to each other, right? Um, you guys used to make fun of Manny for speaking terrible Spanish. Um, <laughs> so uh, it totally depends, right? Uh so he learned formally now he's better than all of us. I know, right? Like he actually learned Spanish because I think uh, everybody in El Paso made fun of him so much. So yeah, now he speaks actual Spanish. Well, he went to school. He went to school in Mexico too, so that probably helps. Um, but yeah, uh, so that's something the schools needed to know. And like I said, you just don't have shorthand for it. Ethnicity is not this means blank. But honestly, it never meant that. I mean, right. ethnicity never meant that, or like. Um, uh, I mean, there is no such thing as these big, broad categories, you know. So J.K. Rowling, you know, saying transgender women don't understand what it means to be a woman, for example. Like, there's no such thing. Every woman's experience is unique. Being a woman in one country and another country is totally different, different ages, different religions. So, like, those categories are false, right? And the categories of, of that's why we say ethnicity in anthropology, because race doesn't exist, Um from like a, a DNA standpoint, but ethnicity is the mixture of like your cultural heritage um, and your uh, genetic heritage, right? But it's the combination of those things that that's a thing. And you still have an opportunity to show that to schools. In fact, you have an obligation to show it to schools, right? I doubt we did it very well. Uh, I, I genuinely don't even remember what our college application essays were about. Um, so don't know. I know that nobody edited it. Like I know that we just wrote them and sent them in like morons. But um, but uh, but yeah. So we were fortunate to do really well on the SAT, um, despite not trying real hard. Um, you obviously always had good grades. I, mine were okay. Manny had really great grades. Um, but. Yeah, I always use UT as this example because of all the people that showed up, right? So like Mondo, Mondo uh, and Rob both actually came in on probation and did that summer thing um, mm -hmm. and proved themselves to school and then got to stay. Other people didn't and they went home. Um, so you have some people that got in that way. But then as you pointed out, Rob, who came in on probation, ended up getting poached before he could even graduate Mark Zuckerberg style and you know went out and had this super lucrative job. Um, Mondo makes more money than all of us. Uh, so uh, these, there are a lot of ways to get into school. And then what you do once you're there is what really determines you know, your life outcomes. But in order to get in, you do need to show what makes you unique. I and mean, that's ultimately what it comes down to, right? We tell our grad applicants all the time when they write their resumes, especially, first question I ask is the person who sits next to you at work, can they say this? Right? Can they literally say all the same stuff? So if it's like worked on this project, did this thing, responsibilities are, yeah, they can say that, which means your resume is useless and we've got to change it. So uh, you have to explain, you can't just explain your circumstances and call it a day because if your circumstances sound like everybody else's, then that's a problem um, because they can't differentiate you. So as you said, your circumstances were different from other first generations, uh, but also you had you had circumstances beyond your nuclear family that were really important to you, right? Um, so for example, your dad still worked in Juarez. You had aunts and uncles that were still in Juarez. Mm -hmm. um, and so going across the, the, 
the bridge and and having this dual relationship with these two different countries and cultures and languages it was really a big part of who you were right um and that's not the case for everybody um and then for me for example i have no idea if i wrote about this but that would be pretty interesting for me when i was four years old um my parents got divorced when i was two my my mom moved as a single mom with three sons she moved to el paso she didn't know anybody literally like she knew nobody there. So she didn't know what side of town to live on. She didn't know. She didn't. She grew up in Lubbock. She didn't speak Spanish. She didn't. I mean, we started cold and alone. Um, and it was interesting. Like it was I, I, my upbringing. But see, I was four years old. Um, Derek was eight. Darren was 12. So all of our experiences were very different. Mm-hmm. So even within our nuclear family, our applications to college would have been different just because our experiences were. And so, for example, I grew up a minority even though I'm white, right? So um, I, I'm a white male, which is like the, the lotto of uh, circumstances, but I grew up in El Paso. listens to you. I know, right? Uh, t- 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 and you cannot underestimate how impactful it is in Asia, especially being a white guy is super helpful. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so but explaining those circumstances that I grew up understanding uh, minority sentiments and, and things like that and was close to Mexico. Um, I think, especially in a state as big as Texas, uh, the panhandle very different from from where we grew up. So I think you you just have an obligation, an opportunity and an obligation to tell your story, sure. right? Um, and that's what you have to do. And comparing it to the people around you can be a helpful barometer because it it shows you what aspects of your culture are unique. So for example, I can't just say I grew up in a largely Hispanic community. That's everybody at El Paso. So it's half a million people when we were growing up, right? So that wouldn't have been sufficient. I would have need, needed to give more concrete details um, of what that meant. Um, I wish I could have written about throwing parties in Juarez growing up, man. That was good business we experience. <laughs> yeah, we were entrepreneurs. Um, I also worked at Baskin Robbins for minimum wage, and uh, that was not as well paid as throwing parties. So, um, but our experiences were really, really unusual. But in order to understand how unusual they are, we had to kind of look at the people around us. Um, and again, for you uh, as a Hispanic, to be able to say, okay, my experience versus, uh, say, uh, you know, Elias or Manny or Mondo or uh, Johnny or whomever, none of them are the same. I mean, I, I, all the households I went to, J, JJ's, for example, going to JJ's house, um, going to Art's house, going to your house, uh, these places were all very distinct, you know? In fact, they probably should just ask me how how weird your how different your households were i was probably a better example um just because i had seen it all in, as an outsider um and in fact that can be really helpful it's why consulting is so helpful is it takes an outsider to look at your life to be able to talk about it objectively and and point out to you what's interesting and what's unique um, so in fact that's a really anybody can be that second pair of eyes third pair of eyes but that's a huge part of consulting is it's our job to look at people and say, this is unusual. Um, it's unusual from your other applicants, right? We have 55, 60 people a year. This is different from everybody else, but also different from last year and the year before and the year before that. Um, so I think you can uh, replicate that experience by talking to your classmates, to your friends, to your family, and try to understand what makes your circumstances really special. 
so we got into this from DEI, and as you pointed out, it is now MIT, for example, had added the DEI essay uh, a couple of years ago, and their essay, their application had always been 300 words, cover letter, super short, uh, 53 line resume, um, but they added a 450 word DEI, and so I mean that's a huge deal. Your diversity, equity, and inclusion. Sorry, everybody, diversity. Uh, equity, everybody treating equally, and inclusion, uh, bringing people in from different uh, backgrounds uh, and and being embracing those things. Uh, so that's really important, and it's so important in a word count perspective that it was actually longer than the main essay. So, um, but as we get into talking about positioning strategy, how to tell these stories, uh, I know you again. You don't work with undergrads. Uh, but the Harvard, I, I have uh, a lot. Um, so uh, the Harvard application for MBA is probably the closest analog to the undergraduate application. Um, meaning, well, for Harvard, there is no question for the common application. So for schools, they'll either have their own application uh, or they'll be part of the common app, which is you write one personal statement and it gets sent to all the schools, super helpful. Um, and you, uh, Texas has its own because we're big enough to have the Texas uh, common app. So you'll write one essay that everybody gets and that's gonna be the personal statement. It's usually 650 words long, um, but you do get uh, supplemental essays. They're usually intellectual interests. So that would be more like a goals essay, school research. Uh, and then you'll have an activity list that is super important because you have space for 10 activities. And again, everybody, ties are struggling because they have like 16 activities. And I would think about us if we'd have two. Um, so if you can't fill up that activity list, you're in trouble and probably need some more activities. Um, and that's a depth versus breadth issue, which we can talk about a little bit. But can you tell us how to do a, an SOP, a statement of pur purpose, personal statement, where you're trying to tell a lot of stories in a short amount of space? For sure, yeah, and um, so yeah, this is ex pretty much exclusively what uh, Harvard does, and it used to be no word limit, even though we would still cap ourselves, uh, but now they've reduced it to 900 words, but um, word count, arbitrary, could be whatever it needs to be, but the main thing to consider is that you want to come up with a, a centralized theme, some sort of hook, um, and this hook is going to sort of be the, the link in between all the different stories you want to tell. You don't want to limit to your, yourself to just one story. So for Harvard, it's always at least three, sometimes four. Um, and then we just find a way uh, to kick it off at the very beginning in a way that we connect all three stories somehow. Um, so we find you know, something, some sort of similarity, and then we do a hook, and then that hook will sort of contain a serialized element, uh, and each one of those elements is found somewhere uh, within each one of those stories. Uh, so that's very similar to the way that undergrad works. Um, so that is by far the best way to approach. You do not want to do a single story. You want to have multiple stories, uh, but they need, to, they need to work cohesively together. And the right. way that's done is just coming up with an all-encompassing hook at the beginning. 
so Hook, so for it, I studied journalism, for it, I studied films, so this is something that we talk about a lot and comes pretty naturally to us, but it's to hook people in. It's to grab their attention, right? Um, so there are a lot of ways to do this. You can find lots of examples online. On the Zoom session, I'll probably show some examples of some old essays that, you know, is a hook and then a story. Um, there are some people that uh, will use, will only use one story for the personal statement uh, for undergrad, but you have to have done a lot for that thing. But like I had a Harvard guy that uh, it's 30 days to, for an antibiotic resistant TB test. I mean, that's like the World Health Organization standard because uh, you just put the antibiotic next to the TB and see how it responds. It's very slow and it's, uh, uh, yeah, not super efficient. Um, but anyway, he figured out a way to do it in three days, He's 17 years old. So his whole essay is about that, but that's what it takes. If you want to write an essay about one thing, you know, save millions of lives kind of a thing. Yeah. So world changing kind of thing. Otherwise, you probably don't deserve no story in your life deserves 650 words. So a couple of times, definitely, I've done it, uh, but it takes something really spectacular. And I think uh, one of our friends, her son's a sophomore, so he probably still has time to maybe do that uh, for people that are already seniors, like Johnny's son. Uh, you're you're not going to do that. You're going to need multiple uh, achievements. So you have a hook, and then you have multiple stories. Can you explain to people what a story is? I know that sounds weird, not to you, to them. Um, and and concrete versus abstract, because that's I just read an essay that was you know that. It's everybody's instinct to write really abstract essays. Yeah, so that is, uh, you guys, unless you're specifically applying to be some sort of creative writing major, um, you want to shy away from that style of writing. Um, you're not going to define the word, um, you know, diversity in a way that that's going to be better than the way the dictionary has. Uh, right. So don't worry about that. What you need is a story that makes sense that, tells them about you and a story best told has conflict it has the action of what you did and then it has a metric of uh, success um, to prove that whatever your actions took uh, you know were, were valid right uh, but that central conflict um, can happen very quickly you don't need a crazy elaborate setup for that um, it needs to be done quick that way you can get to the action as quickly as possible because the action is what's going to sell you guys to the school. So that's all that matters is your actions. Um, in film, we have the whole um, show don't tell adage, which it's much more uh, engaging to uh, reveal a character via his actions versus uh, you know by him saying that he's you know the world's greatest boxer or whatever. Um, so, also, you don't have to believe it, man. I could say I'm yeah. 10 feet tall. I mean, that's the problem with sh with show don't tell seems really obvious to me, but we do have to say it a lot. But telling people who you are could be a lie. Exactly. <laughs> so, so you need to prove uh, it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, prove it. And you prove it uh, via these actions. So that's a good story. So a good story has all, um, all three of those elements and needs all three of those elements. Um, so, you know, have a couple of those two or three. Um, but yeah, it, it really does need elements. And then, um, you know, every time you do the action, it's got to be, you know, very in an active voice. It can't be passive. It's not like the company needed me to. It's I 
led my company to do this or in the case for undergrads, you know, whatever your projects are. Um, right. But yeah, it's, you know, be quick, take the active voice quickly um, and yeah, live in the action and that'll, that'll let the schools know that you're worthy of, uh, of being accepted. Fantastic advice. Um, active versus passive voice. Hopefully you guys are learning that in your English classes, but if you're not, it's what Fernie just said. Um, uh, but also the show don't tell, I think really pushes you towards active voice. Um, but, but yeah, I mean it, the same thing for athletics, right? Like, uh, as the team captain responsibilities included a, B and C, you know, like just, just say as captain, I created, I initiated, I developed, I insisted, I, I demanded, I, exemplified i verb verbs really really important uh, so ver- simple past tense verbs are really really important in storytelling um so uh, again for any uh, study film that's three act storytelling so uh, uh conflict action results so arc one arc two arc th- act, uh, act one act two act three arcs are the same thing um we do for 500 words we do a lot of two act storytelling so the first 250 will be one arc then there's another conflict point more actions, final result. For you guys, it's just going to be a bunch of many one-act stories. So here was a problem. Here's what I did. Here's how it turned out. Here was a new problem in a totally different circumstance or a different aspect of my life. Maybe one was personal. This one is academic. Another one is going to be athletics. It, it, it doesn't really matter, but different problems, new sets of actions, and then the outcome. Uh, but as Fernie said, they'll need to all relate back to that theme. But Here's the other thing I will tell you, do not try to come up with some super cool theme and then figure out what parts of your life fit into it. That is very reactive and very difficult to do. You got to reverse engineer that. Reverse engineer it. So for example, the Harvard essays Fernie's talking about, this is everybody's dream school. This is like a 5% acceptance rate and you're guaranteed to make uh, $300,000 a year when you graduate. Um, But it's a it's a big deal to get into the school. We don't do the hook until the very last minute. It's all stories first. And then at the last minute you go, well, how did these stories connect? I don't know. Let's play around with a few options, but it's not, uh, it's not rocket science. Like the stories are what matter most. So figure out your best stories, tell those, and then find a theme that relates them. Don't create a theme ahead of time that you think sounds fancy and then try to make your uh, life fit into that theme. It will not work. Um, what you'll end up doing is rambling about anything you can think of that applies to that theme. And that's not necessarily the best content. So, uh, so that's personal statement, uh, and show don't tell metrics of success. If you can have them prove that you were right, you also are going to get letters of recommendation, probably from your school counselor, maybe from a teacher, you will want them to verify that at least portions of your application. Um, for recommendations, we call it confirm and compliment. Confirm everything you've said and compliment with an E, not an I, um, meaning add new stuff. So they need to say everything that uh, you put in your essay is true, uh, or at least some really important part. If it's your physics professor and you're writing about your, you know, your senior project for physics, then confirm that. And compliment would be extra stuff like, uh, yeah, also uh, always helped out other students with their grades and or with their uh, tests. And I saw their grades go up, things like that. Um, so your recommendations can uh, really work in tandem with your application. Then there's the activity list, 
which you don't get a lot of words to describe it, but make sure they're the best ones. 10 or 15 words, well done, can make all the difference. So um, you know, it's going to be uh, the activity that you did, your role. Um, I think it's appointed or elected. I'm not sure if that's still on there. Uh, but then you describe what you did in that activity because they don't know what being on the varsity soccer team meant necessarily. And if all it is is I played varsity soccer, then they do know what that means, but that's not a very cool description. So try to figure out something else about it um, in your activity list. Intellectual interest essays, that's going to be in your supplement. Uh, for the Common App, uh, it would be in your supplement. That's going just to the schools because you may have different major but you don't have to necessarily keep that as your major, but you need to say, these are the, this is what I'm interested in. There, here are some examples of how I've already pursued it and things like that. Um, so yeah, so uh, in fact, I hate Harbus essays. I was just arguing with somebody about that recently. So Harbus is the Harvard Business School. They put out real essays that got that people use to get into Harvard. But you know, it's 20 of them out of the 800 people they accepted. And it's always anomalies. It's always weird stuff. But um, they tend to do really soft, uh, tug at your heartstrings, overly emotional kind of stuff. That's not good for B school, but it is good for undergrads. So if you want to look at uh, Harvest, uh, H-A-R-B-U-S, essays, you know, it's an, uh, probably an emotional hook um, and then some examples. But you don't have, there are more tools at your disposal than emotion, right? You still have intellect at your disposal uh, and, and a lot of other things that can be really captivating. I would also check out the summary of Made to Stick. Uh, either read the whole book because it's fantastic and short, uh, written by a, Harvard, a Stanford professor and his brother who's a professor at Duke. Uh, but we use it constantly. Uh, and But just the three-page summary of it, really helpful about how to write quick, engaging stories, how to make ideas sticky, memorable. So, uh, and if they don't remember you, they can't let you in uh, because once they decide they like you, you know, there's the yes pile and the no pile, but when they get to the yes pile, they still have to go argue with other ad admissions officers and advocate for you. And in order to really be effective advocates for you, you need to be memorable so they can go fight for you. So, um, so that's the process. Um, Fernie's example of, of how we approach uh, Harvard MBA is exactly how you should approach all undergraduate applications. Um, show, don't tell, active voice, prove it, uh, and then uh, recommendations that go along with that, and then create some sense of cohesion in your application. So I think that's it, man. I'll jump in on, I'll do the Zoom thing on Saturday, and we'll uh, answer any follow-up questions that people have, but... Uh, Hopefully that was a, a good setup. Yeah, this is great. Um, anything else before we wrap up? Uh, yeah, I just think uh, Fernie's example of his circumstances growing up, uh, I think were really interesting. Um, and the recognition, again, <laughs> we don't know if we wrote about those things, but in hindsight, we know we should have. Uh, but your You've got to understand your circumstances and your upbringing. What does it mean? Um, you have to understand what does it mean to have grown up around something, right? So, um, uh, so for example, uh, Johnny's a physician's assistant. And, uh, uh, he went to PA school. Actually, has own, his own company now, but uh, works a lot with diabetes and 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 things like that. 
just because his kid doesn't want to study healthcare doesn't mean that he wasn't influenced by that, you know, uh, being around him all the time. Uh, what you talk about around the dinner table heavily influences who you are. Um, and so your parents do influence you. They influence how you look at the world and how you, what you've experienced. Uh, it might be the summer experiences. It might be uh, summer jobs, uh, but just whatever it is, uh, is worthy of note. I will say the, other, the reason work matters uh, is, I mean, it can show financial need, which can be helpful. But the real thing is it shows that your GPA was achieved while also doing something else right? If you didn't have to work and got a 3.8 GPA, that's one level of achievement. If you were working uh, after school in evenings and playing sports and got that same GPA, that's a bigger deal. So all these activities are really to show, yeah, there's value in the activity itself, but it's also to show the context of your academic achievements as well, right? So, um, and the activity list can be really helpful in that regard. Awesome, man. Well, Fern, uh, I'll let you get back to doing Harvard applications, which are due in like four days or whatever. So uh, thank you so much for your time today. I uh, really appreciate it. Uh, I think this was really helpful and will set us up. Uh, I already told Moni, she's, she's only at the first of her three kids, so she's got a lot ahead of her. But uh, but yeah, she's she's getting a little stressed with a junior in high school. So uh, but I told her we, you and I would do this. Money's going to be fine. That's what I told her. I told her, me and Fernie got you. Uh, so, uh, but it's just nice to know that all these people, Fernie and I don't have kids, by the way. <laughs> so uh, we do this. That's why we could do this. We have the emotional, intellectual interest uh, or uh, uh, energy to do this uh, because we don't have kids. Um, so, and also for all the kids, you should just really appreciate your parents because there's a lot of trouble and a lot of money. Um, so anyway, uh, so Fern, thanks. Moni, thanks you. I thank you. Uh, and uh, to everybody out there, I will see you Saturday and we'll dive into this a little more thoroughly.